Welcome to Tapping Into What Matters, a CBR podcast where we sit down and chat with people like Jacqueline Eckhart, Jacqueline, what matters to you? Authenticity. In this episode, Tapping Into What Matters co-creator and CBR's head of PR, Kelly Young, sits down with Jacqueline Eckhart to talk about owning your true authentic self. They discuss her father's influence, how authenticity informs community, and of course, ABBA. Take it away, Kelly. I love it. I'm so excited about this. Number one, I think you are one of the most authentic people. Um, and number two, you're brave enough to come on when I'm guest hosting this. So Jacqueline, what does authenticity mean to you and why is it so important? Well, first of all, I'm so happy to be here. But for me, authenticity is really just that alignment with your most genuine, truest self. Um, and I think about that from an organizational perspective and from a self perspective. Okay. And we'll touch on that too, because I know we wanted to kind of break it down a little bit. But oftentimes we judge a person's authenticity by the passion really and the commitment for what they say and do. How do you describe the authentic Jacqueline? Yes, that's a fantastic question. I think it's kind of funny because I also get very often it's like, oh, that's so Jacqueline or <laughs> that's so you. And I mean, how many times do you get that? Right, Is that right. so Kelly? Right. Um, and for me, I've started to realize that as I've defined my life, it all kind of boils down to connection and it's connection to self, connection to those around me and connection to community. Um, and when I think about that, I think about that driving everything I've done um, from what I do in the morning and how I commit to myself to how I show up for people the moment I walk out the door um, and to really how I've driven my life passion of working for a nonprofit that's impacting the city. So Okay. We'll talk about that morning routine because yeah. you wrote that back in my, my questionnaire and I was like, okay, what's her morning routine? I know. And it's interesting from like a standpoint of um, when we do these things, you know, at work or you fill those name tags where it's like, what's the most interesting fact about you? Mine's always, I get more done in the morning than I would ever get done by 12 o'clock than most funny. people. Um, so I, you know, I wake up, I um, immediately meditate. Okay. And I have never been somebody who sits by themselves. Um, I was on all of those tests 100% extroverted. And I don't know if you're like that at all, but yeah. it's yeah. slightly ridiculous. <laughs> How can <laughs> right. you be 100% extroverted? Sure. Um, so I, as I've grown older, I've realized I've had to have time for myself and sit down. So it's a great way. I use a little insight timer if you've ever checked that out. I haven't. Is that a, an app? Yes. There's an recommend. app for that? There's an app for that. Of course there you, is go in there and you set your little timer on what you want to meditate to, how long you want to meditate to, and then you go from there. And, okay. And then I always do a workout, whether I'm teaching, I teach a cycle bar class, um, which is a great way to kind of immediately get that extrovert energy out um, <laughs> and then kind of get that, you know, body rolling. And then um, I come back, sit down, have a cup of coffee and kind of get my mind right. And it's finding that morning routine that's authentic to yourself, right? Like I know I'm not going to wake up in the morning and read a book, um, but I found the three simple things that help me kind of set who I am and how I can be the best person the rest of the day. And you do that all before what time? So normally I get up at 4. 
Oh my gosh. So it helps okay. that my husband's that, an engineer and has to be at work by 6 a.m. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking like, what did I, I, I have to still. You could probably do it at five. Okay. I think a lot of people or could six. do it at five. Yeah. <laughs> or six. Yeah. So what time is your cycle bar class? 5.45. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because I know I wanted to talk about that too, because I know last year mm-hmm. we when I saw you sometime last year, you were actually going through the training yes. um, with that as well too. And you were so nervous about that, but you obviously passed all that. Yeah. And, and well, and talk that? about like, authenticity right it's you are having to be this person who is up there motivating people to be their best most authentic self and you can't do that without showing up for yourself and being the person you should be so when I get up there I'm my true Jacqueline it's ridiculous a little (laughs) cheesy a little nutty um all in um and just totally myself so but What's I your soundtrack? It. What's oh, what, I mean, know, I'm sure you have a couple, right? Some real good throwbacks. I love a good Gloria. Okay. Um, you know, get you going. I love some old hip hop. And then I'm all about the bangers, EDM. Really? So, yeah. Okay. I love it. So Cycle Bar, which one? Because um, there are a couple, right? Carmel and Trader's Point. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we'll have to make sure anyway. people are checking on that. Yeah. Um, so we had to break down authenticity for you and, and in your life. There's really three parts to that. And you touched a little bit on it. But personal, mm-hmm. organizational and community. So I really want to break that down a little bit and look at each one and really what that means to you. So we talked maybe a little bit um, about the morning already, about your approach to everything in life, your morning routine, your relationships and cycling. But Mm -hmm. is there anything else to that? I know you mentioned also leading and and mentoring as well, but talk about that personal, true to yourself, authentic. And I would say the most authentic person I know is my father. And I witnessed that from a young age. Um, He was always very entrepreneurial. Um, He still is to this day, always doing something totally different. And um, he really leads like himself. And I've just never seen anyone truly lead that way. Um, And we witnessed it at home. You know, he was so himself at home and so himself at work. And that has been a huge motivator into how I approach everything. Um, and I think it's something that his people watched. Um, and it's something that we've seen success in. And then I've been really blessed with some incredible, incredible leaders in my career. I mean, I look to Kira Amstutz at Indiana Humanities, who is one of the best people. And she is just authentically, enthusiastically herself. And mm-hmm. she comes to a meeting and leads just the way you would expect her to lead. Um, And same with my current boss, Bob Schultz, the same way. And it's just, I've been blessed to watch that and apply that to how I approach my conversations with interns and conversations with my own mentees of here's how you approach your situation. And I think we all kind of need to look at that a little bit differently of how you show up and impact the others around you um, because there's serious power in that. Yeah, I love that you said that. Do you, do you think with your dad you knew that as a kid or was it as an adult that you You know what? That up? I think we learned it differently when we were kids, right? I think we learned how to be ourselves. I you know, I have two twin brothers. Okay. And so I was the only girl and I was You know, they always are like, it's all about Jacqueline. It's all about you. But I learned to become a leader when I was younger and learned I was I am the oldest um, and kind of learned to show up that way. And they might call it bossy or some other word. But, you know, I think that has kind of stayed with me throughout my life. And 
he was always encouraging us of trying to find, you know, what was right for us. And I think now it looks like leadership. When we were younger, we just thought, you know, he was pushing us in the right direction. I hope he's listening to this, yes. right? We'll make I'm sure, sure that he... I'm sure he would. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's following your success as well, too, I'm sure. So you're at Downtown Indy now. Talk about your first job and, and some of the lessons learned along the way. So I think it all kind of goes back to where I ended up for school as well, too. So I came, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, Okay. ended up at Butler. Okay. It was that small school intimate feel, which I knew was important to who I am as a person. Um, so it allowed me to kind of blossom, be a big fish in a small pond, connect to the right people um, and connect to people who challenged me and made me a better person and professional. Um, so I ended up at the Conrad right after school as PR and marketing okay. manager there for two years. Um, and that from a standpoint was totally me because it was challenging me. It was outside the box. It was something different. And I worked with some incredible people there to really reach and, um, advertise experiences, which, that is all back to that connection, right? Mm -hmm. um, and after that, I was at Indian Humanities, which was that perfect blend of relationships and um, helping our state and people kind of think a little bit differently and connect to their neighbors and connect to themselves. Um, and then after that, I was there for about two and a half years as a communications and community relations manager. We did incredible work all around the state. I went from, you know, luxury hotels to building campfires with beer and I trying to yes trying to like roast hot dogs and build a fire which was not me at all and everyone <laughs> knew it and I looked ridiculous um and my co-worker still this day gave me would give me crap it was terrible um but we did such amazing work yeah. and there were so many cool things that we did when you focus on that power of connecting people and you know thinking outside of what we normally would talk about. Um, and then I ended up at Downtown Indy. So I'm our associate director of PR and engagement. And my focus there is really on connecting our brand and our organization to our public. So whether that be corporate members, whether that be the community, media, stakeholders, um, Downtown Indy Inc. is the nonprofit solely focused on downtown success from an economic success standpoint, a livability standpoint, and vitality. So we say we're the only organization that focuses on downtown. Um, and a lot of my work there from an organization perspective is thinking through, you know, from our brand perspective, the brand of downtown is really wide, right? But we have to connect to it from an authentic perspective. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just my story that impacts downtown. It's everyone's story that impacts downtown. And how do we share that successfully? And talk about that a little bit, too. In, in the PR community relations world, you know, we really have that power to tell the stories that matter and, and align that with the work that we're doing. And um, downtown Indy's brand is so powerful. How is that? How are you able to weave all that in with a really authentic, powerful story? I mean, we have a wide audience and we're working with a wide array of partners. Um, and we just dove into a new kind of brand narrative campaign. So we're launching in 2020 a agenda, which is called the Downtown Agenda. And it's focused on some key topics of downtown. So anything, the issues that we really deal with right now around homelessness and safety and security and cleanliness and, um, you know, shaping the brand narrative. And we're looking at 
this tale of two cities and how we investigate, making sure that we are telling the story outside of the mile square, that it's not just exactly what you and I might experience on a day-to-day, but it's what everyone could experience and really enhancing that message that downtown Indy is everybody's neighborhood and that we have this megaphone, but we use it the right way. That leads into that third part, that third component of community and the importance of an authentic community. Yeah, and I think um, we're doing it really right right now. There's so many incredible people in Indianapolis who are so focused on community. And just from a personal standpoint, you know, you look around and you're so proud of the podcasts that are popping up or the conversations that are being had or the transit that's being pushed. And we're doing the right things. And um, they're all authentic to who we are as Indianapolis. And we're not losing the root of that, which I think is amazing. You know, there's so many people that could come here and say, hey, let's be this brand or hey, we need to be the music city. But we're evaluating from a strategy perspective of how we can address those things and become better um, based on the community need. And I think we'll start to see that be really fruitful in the coming years. What is the brand of downtown indie that you want people to know? You know, that's the hardest question from a standpoint because it's different to everyone, right? Sure. And so we often say downtown indie is everybody's neighborhood. Um, and I think there's power to that from a standpoint of anyone can connect to it. It's the one place in all of our city, all of our state that somebody has a connection point to. Um, And I think you'll see that mentality be used a little bit differently and a little bit more from our standpoint. Um, But I mean, everyone has a different experience here, right? Like what's your favorite restaurant you come down to or why do you come downtown to work, to eat, you know, to play, to live, to, you know, there's so much. So I think defining it and allowing us to engage people in a little bit different of a way will be kind of where we see it all going. You guys have really expanded your minds and really added some creativity and and some value to our lives with this Shining a Light. Yes, so Shining a Light is coming to you on November 9th and will be every night after. This is all through Lilly Endowment Strengthening Arts and Culture Grant Initiative, um, and it we received $7.6 million from Lily Endowment to really rethink and reimagine Monument Circle. Um, so Monument Circle, our key gathering place of downtown, you know, it's a crossroads of art, culture, business, civic space, and it's really been poorly underutilized. So we thought about, you know, what would activate that, what would allow people to come out there, interact, and kind of utilize what is already there from a standpoint of, the buildings, um, the facades, and just the ideal gathering space. So we created this project that will video map the buildings. And so from the Circle Tower building or Novel Coworking to IPL, you will see video mapping every single night of the year at 6.30 p.m. until about March, and then it'll coordinate with dusk. Um, And it will tell the story of the monument and our veterans and why that space is so sacred and important to Indianapolis. And so you'll see this video mapping and it will unfold. You'll see flags. You'll see, um, you know, the story of the monument. There will be color coordinated lights around the circle that kind of showcase what's going on. And it's all um, coordinated to the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra. That's so great. Uh, It's amazing. John Colby, who is an Emmy Award winning 
uh, producer came in and he's recorded the ESPN theme song. Oh, wow. So you guys are rocking over yeah, there. That's, so that's going to be great. He was a very interesting guy. Really? Um, has super talented, done some great work and just so thoughtful about what he wanted this piece to be. Um, but it all ends with four beams of light crossing over um, victory. And so that signifies the crossroads of America. So you'll see these four huge spotlights that will be illuminated throughout the entire evening, um, you know, marking our place in our Every brand. evening, right? Every, Every evening. evening. Okay. Yep. Um, and so it's also from beyond the signature salute, which really supports, you know, the monument. It's allowed us to um, have access to a stage. We now have a stage that we can bring arts and culture groups out to. Um, it's allowed us some more capabilities from a sound perspective. The lighting on the monument is completely different. Like before she was, you couldn't even see victory. You'd walk out there, right. you could see nothing. So, um, it's going to be a huge enhancement for the circle. Will it change quarterly, seasonally? How does that work? Or will it always be the same thing? We will always play the signature salute, okay. but there will be aspects of it that will change. So we will have the holiday theme that kind of ties into Circle of Lights um, and celebrate Circle of Lights from that aspect okay. through the end of the year. So. And then there was a connection with nonprofits too, right? Yeah. Were they able to apply for some programming? Yeah. You so talk a little bit about that because I know you're very passionate about nonprofits. Yeah. I am too, so, so part of the funding um, that we were granted from Lilly Endowment was to allow arts and culture organizations to program on the circle. So we are awarding eight nonprofits um, with an arts and culture focus next year in 2020. The funding okay. about twenty thousand in kind to program on the circle, um, and we're also um, with our fundraising goal, we are looking to um, endow a couple of artist opportunities as well. So they will have, you know, the ability to go out there, use the stage, use the lighting, coordinate, um, use any of our marketing materials and really activate the space the way it's supposed to be. You guys really are doing some amazing things downtown. Do you have a, I know this is probably a hard question. Do you have a favorite moment? The Shining a Light initiative is uh, pretty incredible. I would say from a standpoint of partners, stakeholders, everyone coming together. I've never, we keep saying that we've never seen a project where everyone's so on the same page. Um, and it's just been, oh yes, and I'll do that. And what do you need help with? And how can we promote that? And it's been amazing. Yeah. We even saw, we did some testing the other night. Okay. Um, and we saw this man who was taking pictures of it. And he was like, hey, did you hear it's launching on November 9th? And I was like, oh. And he was like, oh, are you with them? Like, yeah. He's like, this is so great for the oh, community. So, so it was just, it's reached so many different people. And the ability to go a little further with it is going to be pretty impactful. So. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that's um, going to be so incredible for our city and what a great thing for you to be a part of. And and yes. to I've seen you in meetings and you just shine and, and get so excited when you talk about it, as does everybody else with uh, Downtown Indy. So that's yes. fun. Well, I want to get back on this authenticity a little bit. I what, Preparing for this um, podcast recording with you, I was uh, thinking a little bit about it and, and what it meant. And I, I love this quote from Brene Brown. She says, to be authentic, we must cultivate the courage to be imperfect and vulnerable. We have to believe that we are fundamentally worthy of love and acceptance just as we are. I've learned that there's no better way to invite more grace, gratitude, and joy into our lives than by mindfully practicing authenticity. 
What does that mean to you? Do you agree? Do you want to expand on that a little bit with, with, with your own thoughts? I love that. And I would say, um, from my standpoint too, accepting of yourself is kind of that first step into realizing who you are and what makes you tick and what makes you passionate. Right. And so for me, I'm like definitely a recovering perfectionist, always have been, always will be. Uh Um, But accepting the things that make me excited and make me want to do um, the things that I do and kind of aligning that with who I am has been a lot of where I found success. So, I mean, my husband and I will talk about all the time, you know, it's I have the constant to-do list of, yes, I got to do that. Yes, I got to do that. And kind of stepping back and evaluating. And as you grow older in your career and your you know life, you start to realize the things that make the most sense. Um, what about you? Well, you know, it's interesting because, again, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, authenticity really is about being present mm-hmm. and in the moment. And sometimes I am challenged with that. And and I say that, you know, I'm I'm very vulnerable in that that sense that I I don't know sometimes am I being my my best self mm-hmm. and am am I being the most authentic at this moment and in this time. So I was so excited that you put this as your topic that you wanted to talk about because I thought maybe Jacqueline can give me those top three things. I know. Right. So I put that out there as like, you know, what what would you say to someone? What would you say to me or to to our listeners really about um uh being authentic and and having that authenticity? You know, what tips do you have for people? It's probably something that you can't just you just have to be, right? Like I don't expect that you can say, do these three things and all of a sudden poof, I'm authentic. Yeah. No, and I think it's this understanding and I'm I have no formula for it at all. I am sometimes not in the moment at all, but I think sometimes it's the intent. Um, and I've realized that so much is that I think it's finding that acceptance of this is, you know, who I want to be and who I am. I love that. I love that. You said it also has something that, um, you said something about being the most excited. It's about being things that are finding things that are most exciting to mm-hmm. you. What's most exciting to you? And you can't talk about shining the light because you already have. And I know that there's so much excitement and passion there. And But what else? Yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting because I'm sure you feel this too, is your work blends so much into who you are. And I think that's been really hard for me, especially young in my career, to transfer some of that passion into segment and balance and understanding that I define myself and work doesn't only define myself. And I think sometimes when we serve these civic roles, it's even more challenging um, to figure out that blend and that balance of, you know, who you are. But for me, it's relationships, it's connection, it's reading a book, drinking a glass of wine, you know, going out with a friend, going out with my husband to a Butler game. um, And it's yeah, it's teaching, it's connecting with people. And a lot of my things that make me feel that joy are around that connection of people and that time for myself that is usually revolved around something that makes me smile a little more. I think we hear about authenticity in the business place Mm -hmm. so much. Do you feel like it's getting lost? Do you feel like everybody's, it's like a buzzword right now? When I started thinking about this, I was wondering that too. And I think there is a blur. um, And I think people are using it 
quite possibly for the wrong reason. So you see this rise of influencer culture. And from a marketing perspective, there's so much power in influencer culture of using somebody's authentic organic message, but we're now crafting it um, in certain ways. And so I'll be curious over the next couple years to see how that changes. I do think brands and some brands and organizations mostly – Uh, have the right idea in mind and I have um, you know the optimism that's a truly myself quality that they are using it the right way and that authenticity authenticity still is out there Um, but I think now that we have social media and we do have these influencers it's totally blurring Um, so I think you have to just kind of pick through it with more of a fine-tooth comb of what's real and what's not. I know they say being authentic is really being true to yourself. So is it Oscar Wilde who says, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. But just for fun, just for fun, okay. play along. I'm ready. It. Okay. Um, if you could be anyone else in this world right now, oh, who would you be and why? Oh my gosh. Can they be living they or dead? Be whoever. Yeah, okay. sure. I think That's I'd have fun to be a combination. A yes. Okay. It would have to be like a multiple combination. Um, I think I'd be a little bit ABBA. I think I, you know, I would, from a standpoint of like performing, I feel like they just, they were themselves. Most of my most joyous times come from turning on ABBA and drinking a glass of wine and dancing in my kitchen. So there's that. Um, so little ABBA, um, I think I would be, there is this woman, her name is Karina Don. She's actually from Indianapolis and she owns a fitness, um, company called Tone It Up. And she is kind of the ideal wellness, um, leader from a standpoint of meditation, um, you know, working out and kind of doing it right from a business perspective. So I really respect her. Um, and now I want to know, like, what's your favorite ABBA song? Oh my gosh. Super Trooper. (laughs) I love it. That's so funny. I would sing it, but nobody would ever turn this on again. (laughs) (laughs) I just actually watched Mamma Mia at, um, Civic. It was at Civic Theater recently. Yes. And so that, that's funny. That song has been playing in my head a lot. Yeah. And my 17 year old daughter loves it. Oh my gosh. A lot. It's such a perfect yeah. mom and daughter yeah. song. But again, I'm not going to sing it yeah. either. So. Um, and then, I don't know. I'm stumped. You go. You, you have well, anyone, and then maybe I'll throw in more. So I, of course, am going to say I would love to have a little bit of Jacqueline Eckhart in my oh, world. Stop. right? And not just even to <laughs> suck up to you because, you know, you're always so kind and you're always so happy. And I said that earlier that you always have this smile on your face. And I, I'm, I'm excited that you decided to join us and, and uh, that you shared your thoughts with us as well, too, and your smile. Absolutely. I'm happy to. And thank you for having I me. I think I'm supposed to end it some way. I don't know. Maybe Thanks with Super Trooper. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should talk. Super Trooper. That was Kelly Young. I'm Meg McLean. And this has been Tapping Into What Matters with Jacqueline Eckhart. That was our final episode of 2019. We'd like to thank all of our guests for being with us and give a huge thanks to all of our listeners. This podcast is a CVR production located at the corner of New York and College. If you would like to know more about CVR or are interested in joining us on this podcast to discuss what matters to you, please reach out to Kelly Young at kyoung at cvrindy.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. We'll be back in 2020.